0: You're listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Humanize Me. I'm Bart Campolo, and this is my podcast. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm late with this week's episode. But truthfully, in the aftermath of this election, I needed more time than usual to gather my thoughts. I mean, given the way we human beings anthropomorphize everything from our automobiles to the entire universe, I've been a little bit wary of trying to psychoanalyze this whole country, or even just the half of it that chose Donald Trump to be our next president. Still, After working with troubled kids for most of my life, I can't help slipping into ministry mode when somebody, let alone tens of millions of somebodies, does something as dangerous and self-destructive as entrusting their fate to a brash, impulsive man who they deep down know doesn't really care about them. So then, just for a moment, I think the rest of us need to set aside our fears and frustrations about the rise of Donald Trump and pay more attention to the fears and frustrations that drove so many decent people to vote for him. Not surprisingly, most of those folks live in the country, where the 2008 recession hit the hardest. The recovery hasn't yet arrived, and young people commit suicide and drug overdose at twice the rates of our cities and suburbs. You know, I spent nearly three decades preaching to evangelical Christians from all over those rural places. So I know for a fact that Donald Trump's primary supporters aren't mean or hateful or stupid. What they are is in pain, helplessly watching as their way of life gets choked to death by globalization and new technologies. What they are is angry and afraid, knowing full well that the people running things now either don't much care about their culture or are positively pleased to see it fade away. As David Wong, who's the editor of Cracked, put, puts it in what I think is like the best post-election analysis I've seen so far. He puts it this way, quote, To those suffering ignored people, Donald Trump is a brick chucked through the window of the elites. Are you assholes listening now? Unquote. Unfortunately, this particular brick has already shattered much more than our collective ignorance of the crisis unfolding in rural America. By unleashing bitterness and contempt as political weapons, by dredging up hurting people's very real anxieties and disappointments and then cynically blaming them on the other, Donald Trump has also shattered our sense of mutual trust and safety. Don't get me wrong, I I know the United States wasn't a paradise of enlightened social harmony before the Trump campaign got started, and I'm not blaming him and his team for all the fear and hatred they tapped into and exploited to get elected. Look, Donald Trump didn't invent racism, misogyny, xenophobia, or bullying. Women, black and brown people, the LGBTQ community, immigrants, the disabled, and all the other others have always and often been discriminated against and outright abused in this country. Still, many of us have never felt so afraid for our more vulnerable neighbors, for our children, or for ourselves, as we do right now. Frightening as the specter of a racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, bullying narcissist in the White House may be, however, that isn't the only thing or even the biggest thing that my more vulnerable friends are afraid of right now. No, what worries them most is knowing they are surrounded by tens of millions of people for whom Donald Trump's sneering contempt for them wasn't a deal-breaker. Now they wonder, who will stand in his way? If and when he tries to hurt us the way he promised. If you're thinking out there, well, I will, I'll stand in his way, then now is the perfect time for you to say that out loud. Now is the time to reach out, especially to the people who might be feeling isolated and are afraid, to let them know you really are their neighbor. Now is the time to make it clear to them that even if the rest of the country doesn't feel that way, this bus or this classroom or this street is a safe place because you're right here beside them. What it isn't time for, however, is to emphasize your own goodwill by demonizing all those folks on the other side. Remember, those folks are hurting too. As former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick put it in a recent letter, and I'll I'll give you the quote here too, quote, I want to believe that lots of people, not all, but many, voted for the president-elect not because of what he said, but in spite of it. I want to believe that a great big part of Trump's support came from people who heard him say, make America great again, and did not think about a time when women stayed home. Gay people stayed in the closet, and African Americans were second-class citizens. I wonder if what they thought about was a time when they could do business with a handshake. When they knew they could graduate from high school and find a good-paying job, buy a house and support a family in the town where they grew up. When they could walk outside and talk with and count on their neighbors. When we Americans turned to each other and not on each other. Those are the people who deserve the special attention and the respect of government today. The ones without lobbyists and connections. We can't give up on them now just because their perceived champion is coarse and boorish, Unquote. I like that, what Duval said. I really like that. You know, a few weeks ago after my conversation with Irshad Manji, I realized that the moral courage she was talking about isn't so much about angry protests and fiery rebukes to people in power as it is about working through your own prejudices to genuinely engage with people who think and act differently from you. It's easier, of course, to just hide out with your like-minded friends, affirming each other's moral superiority in the echo chamber of your own media. But really, isn't that exactly what brought us to this moment? What we need now is to reach out to the people who voted us down, not with scorn and judgment, but rather with compassion. And curiosity, we need to ask them, what are you going through? What are you worried about? Was there anything you liked about President Obama? What changes were you hoping for when you voted? What have the rest of us been missing? Even if you're angry, heck, especially if you're angry, slow down and just listen. Again, as an old youth worker, I can assure you that dangerous, self-destructive, even aggressive behavior is most often just a cry for attention from someone who's feeling neglected, abused, or just shut out by everyone else. So far, I haven't said very much about President-elect Trump himself, mainly because I haven't yet figured out what to do about him. Some people are saying we should give him a chance but I think most of us know better than to just wait and see. Simply stated, we have no time to waste in organizing ourselves to block many, if not most, of the policies he's already proposed. We do, however, have time enough to hope that the weight of the office and the gravity of this precarious moment will change our next president's mind about some of those bad policies, whether or not they change his heart. Unlikely as it seems, it remains possible that Mr. Trump will shake off his demons and rise to this occasion. Unfortunately, even if he does that, even if he earnestly tries to do right by all of us, Donald Trump's multiple bankruptcies and business failures, his unfortunate personnel choices and impulsive management style, they all suggest he simply isn't up to the job of president. In other words, I think he's bound to fail, even by his own standards. In other words, all those high-paying manufacturing jobs aren't really coming back from China and Mexico after all. Which means, of course, that those same people who were desperate enough to elect him are bound to be disappointed yet again. When that happens, and I really believe it will happen, whether by intransigence or incompetence, the rest of us will need to reach out again. Not to gloat and say to the people who voted for him, we told you so but rather to pull ourselves closer to them and say, what do you need? How can we help? What good things can we all do together? Look, it certainly doesn't feel that way right now, but we fallible, finite human beings across this country and around the world, we really are members of the same very social species. And each and every one of our destinies really is caught up with all the others. That doesn't mean there aren't fools, criminals, and even monsters among us, of course. But only that we should do our best to love them, even as we resist their antisocial tendencies. And that we should do our best to love each other, even more. So that's it. That's what I got for you. This week, next week, yeah, we'll I'll be back and we'll, we'll come back together and we'll do what we, we'll do what we normally do. We'll get back to the conversation about building community and about making the most of our lives. Wait a second. That's what we were doing this week too. That's the question. That's what I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with that question. You know, what does it mean to be human in this moment? What does it mean to be a good citizen in this moment? What does it mean to be a good neighbor in this moment? I and mean, we can wring our hands and blame each other and scream to the high heavens about how horrible Donald Trump is. But in the end, what we've got to figure out is not how to tear him down as a person. But rather how to block the bad policies and support the good policies and work together to try to bring this country together in a way that it is not together now. We gotta move forward. We gotta organize. We gotta reach out. We gotta humanize. Yeah, that's it. We got to humanize each other and say to each other, help humanize me. Yeah, I'll be back with you next week. In the meantime, do your best. For more information about the work of Bart Campolo, please visit barcampolo.org.